I'm Amanda Brothers, and this is Walking in the Glory of God podcast, the podcast where we focus on how to live life in Christ as we learn and grow in our relationship with God and how to allow him to truly be Lord of our lives. So whether you are new in Christ, seasoned in Christ, or searching for hope or something or someone to believe in, we'll learn what it really means to believe in him and live in him and let him be our guiding light. So welcome to Walking in the Glory of God podcast. Hello, this is Evangelist Amanda Brothers. Welcome to episode three of Walking in the Glory of God podcast. On this episode, I will be sharing the recording from a course that I taught, talking about our identity in Christ. The audio is not great because it was a classroom setting, but the message that God gave was an awesome message. So stay tuned and stay with it until the end. So here we go. Mirror image. Seeing yourself the way that I see you. Looking in the mirror. Two different mirrors. The mirror of the world and the mirror of the word. And so how we normally see ourselves is based on the mirror of the world. It's what the world has said about us. It's what the world has taught about taught us about um, who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to look like, what we're supposed to act like, what we're supposed to do in life. And so we identify with that. We identify with what the world says we are supposed to do or who the world says that we are, and not necessarily what the Word of God says. And so through this, I want to help us to see ourselves through the mirror of the word. And so, because we are created beings, I often look at the fact that when a product is created, the manufacturer of that product knows exactly what that product is supposed to do. And so, it's no different with us. We are created beings. And so, our creator, the person that manufactured us, knows exactly who we are, and knows exactly what we're meant to do. And so that's the person that we need to go to when we're looking to find out who we are. What's our purpose? Why are we here? Why did you create me? What am I supposed to do in the world? Who do you say that I am? And so we're going to take, take a few minutes and we're going to talk about these answers. So hope y'all are not afraid to share because that's what this is all about. That's the only way that we're going to get our questions answered. That's the only way we're going to get Result is if we talk about it. And so we're going to talk about the first one. Describe your base, describe yourself based on who you believe you are. What is your identity? So who wants to share? I'm glad to. So what I have written is a daughter of the Most High God, here to support and stand in the gap for other people, connect them to resources, and provide an avenue for personal growth and leader development, because starting with leading ourselves well is how we lead others. It wasn't always that way. You know, there were troubling times in my life, but that's absolutely where I'm at now. You don't want to hear about <laughs> yeah, we I'm a person you. with very low self-esteem. This job has even pushed me out of my comfort zone. Uh, which has been good for me. 
because um, I would have never, probably never, um, just went out on my own and walked into a group of strangers, but I have to do that now. Um, I have I have been told uh, by significant others that I may take people wrong. I'm a person that questions questions every compliment because I don't think I deserve it. You want to go ahead and share? Um, I believe that um, I'm an honest person, and I think that that makes it okay that I'm okay. But I'm not. I mean, I think I need more than that. Like, I like to serve. I believe I'm a servant. But instead of me going ahead and serve, I like to choose who I'm going to serve. And I don't think I expect that. So I, I don't mean a little selfish. Not a little, but anyway, selfish and sometimes maybe hypocritical. You know, because sometimes the way I think and then you see my actions, to me, myself, it looks different. So I can't imagine with other people, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I really don't know. Maybe I really don't know who I am. But, yeah. And that's exactly why we're here. Yeah. That's exactly why we're here. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Because we need to know who we are. Um, we need to be able to describe ourselves in a way that's positive, in a way that makes a difference and makes us not only feel good about ourselves, but it, it has a lot to do with our confidence. When we, the way that we show up, like you said, low self-esteem. I've, I've had low, I've had low self-esteem mostly all of my life. Clearly, up into my fifties. Clearly, just going through all the things that I went through and not knowing who I am. And I told y'all my testimony um, the first month about the things that I went through because I didn't know who I was. And so we need to know who we are. The, the world has helped us, has made us paint a picture of ourselves that is a lie. It's a lie. And so some of the ways that we describe ourselves, we describe ourselves based on what we do. It's not who we are. So we hide behind positions. We hide behind the roles we play in life. We hide behind other people. Because we don't we don't think that we can step up and we can be who we truly are. And so it's time for that to end. What you wrote on paper is not who you are. That's not how God describes you. He doesn't describe you by your position in life. He doesn't describe you the way that other people describe you. He made you. And so, because he made you, he knows exactly who you are. And he describes you with positive words, not with negative words. Whenever God tells you who you are, that's what you need to believe. That's what you need to stand on. Who it is that God says you are. Because that's who you are. That's what you need to get in your spirit. That's what you need to have in your heart. And that's what you need to know, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what other people have said, regardless of how other people have made you feel, that's what you need to know. Regardless of what your experiences have dictated to you, you need to know who you are based on what the Word of God says. It took me a long time to get here. 
It took me a long time to not pay attention to what other people said or how other people felt or what people have sewn into me, how how I have allowed myself to be sewn into by other people. It took me a long time to get rid of all that stuff. Do I still struggle with some things? Yeah, I do. Because every time I think I've conquered something, something else comes up. Something else that I didn't know was in there. And so then I have to work through that. Coming here to do this class, yeah, I struggle, but I overcome it because I know that it's not about me. I know what God called me to. I know who he says that I am. And I know I have promises in the word of God that tells me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me as a part of my identity. He's given me everything pertaining to life and godliness, meaning everything that I need to do what it is that he's called me to do, to fulfill my purpose on the earth and my assignment, he's put in me. And so... Instead of allowing the enemy to beat me up with my past because all that's gone, I hold on to what God has said because I know who I am. And this is this is my assignment. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is who I am. And I don't get caught up in titles. I know that when God called me to the office of evangelist, people would ask me, what well, do we call you evangelist? Do we call you Rev? Do we call you, you know, what do we call you? I said, Amanda. Because God told me, don't get caught up in titles. Yes, evangelists are part of my identity. That's who he calls me. So I have to call myself sometimes. I have to call myself that sometimes because I need to be able to walk in it. If I ignore that that's who he said, that's a part of my identity, then I won't be able to walk in it. And so that's why it's important to know who God says you are. That's why it's important to know what your call in life is, what your assignment in life is. And you won't know that until you know who you are. Okay, because each one of us has a purpose. Each one of us are here for a reason. And you're going to find out as we go through exactly, exactly what God, who God says you are. And you're going to find out that you're not a mistake, that you're not here by happenstance, that you're here on purpose, with a purpose. Okay. Can I ask a question? Yes, ma'am. I, I guess I have always envied those people that I know that, you know, I call myself a Christian, but I, I don't know that I really, I don't have the feeling that I feel that some people have, that they truly can sit and talk with God and know that God's going to answer them and, and lead them in the way that you should. So how do you ever... I mean, how do you truly ever get that feeling that you know that I'm doing the right thing? I'm, I just don't, I don't understand it. And I was born and raised in, and you went to church every Sunday, but I think it got to be the point that you had to be there. And my, my mother was pushing me there and, and you had no excuse. Um, and I've gotten away from that now, and maybe that's that's obviously my fault. But even I tried starting back, and it was just like I don't feel like I belong here. So I just so much envy those people that know that God's in their heart and they're doing the right thing. And I don't know if I'll ever you and you will, you will. It it takes practice. It takes practice. We have the wrong idea about what the church is. We think the church is a building, and we have to go to that building. As God says, do not forsake the assembly together of yourselves. 
So it's, it's, we have to fellowship with one another. But the church is not the building. The church is the people. We are the church. It's a part of our identity. We are the body of Christ. That means we are the church. We are the bride of Christ. And so we need to know that. You are the church. Doesn't mean that you have to always go to a building. And people will criticize. And, you know, we talk about people that go to church, the two, the two time a year Christians that go to church on Christmas and, and Easter. Easter. Yeah. Um, but we don't know what those, what those people's personal life is. We don't know what they're doing in their time when they're, um, you know, by themselves. We don't know what their relationship with God is. And so it's not that we have to go. It's good to go to church. It's, it's a good thing to do to go to church because we have to go and fellowship with other believers. That's where we get our strength from. That's where we get the encouragement from to keep going. But the church is not that building. The church is the people. And so you're the church. And because you're the church, because you're the body of Christ and you're in Christ, that he's going to speak to you. But he speaks through his word. And so we have to, it's important that we stay in his word. It's important that we read the Bible because we won't know his voice unless we're reading his word. Because he speaks according to his word. We won't have the strength that we need Apart from his word. It's our guidebook. It's our guidebook. It's our, it's, it teaches us how to live in this world. And it teaches us that we're not a part of this world. He left us in the world, but we're not of the world. Therefore, we belong to a different kingdom. And we have to learn how that kingdom operates. Just like we learn how the world operates, we have to learn how the kingdom that we belong to operates. And it only comes to the word. So it takes practice. It takes practice to hear his voice. And you'll know. You'll know when he's speaking to you. You'll get there. You'll understand when he's speaking to you. Will you still have some, some, some times where you won't? Yeah, we all do. We all have those times where we're not clear and we don't, we don't believe that we're hearing from him. But at those times, you just get up and continue to do what it is that you believe that you're supposed to do. And he'll get you on the right path. And so I have to trust that. So when I'm praying and I'm seeking to hear from God and I'm like, okay, God, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm getting anything. I just keep doing what I'm doing. And then I trust his word that says that he orders my steps and that even though a man plans his ways, God directs his path. And so I just hold on to that. It's like, okay, God, I'm going to make my plans. I'm going to do what it is that I know to do. And I'm just going to trust you for the rest. I'm going to trust you to get me where I need to be. And so that's why it's important. That's why we have to study the word. That's why it's important for us to read the word. But the enemy has made us believe that we can't understand the Bible. And we can. He has opened it up to us and made it clear to us. He has removed the veil. Therefore, we're not blind to it anymore. That we have direct access to him. And we can ask the question. So if you don't understand something that you're reading, you ask. It is always important so when you're studying the Word of God, before you open that Bible and start to study, is that you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what the Word of God says. Because you can't understand it with your own intellect. Carnal mind will never understand the Word of God. And that's the problem that a lot of people are having, is they're trying to read it like a history book. And it's not a history book. There's revelation to be gained from it for our lives, for how to survive in this world. Did that answer your question? Okay. 
All right, so the next question that we had on here is, how did you determine who you are from where you, from where did you get your identity? I'm even sometimes uncomfortable with myself. And when I get to the point I can't stand myself any longer, then I do that. I think I took a little from my mom, a little from my dad. Some things I do like my mom, some things I do like my dad. It might be something I do like you do, I bet something you do that you like. And I take that, you know, different things to different people if you're around them. The thing is, is it good? You know, part of them think that they work. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm just being honest. You know, but yeah, I think that determines, not that it determines who I am, but that's, but I think it does for me. That who I am, that I do that because I, I always sit around and I say, mm, I may do something. I say, oh, I remember dad doing something like that, or my mom doing something like that, you know. But as for me, I really can't tell you tissues. So mine goes right along with what you were saying. So how I determine who I am is from God's word, but it hasn't always been that way. It was from his word and from him speaking to me. But like what you were saying, Joe, you're not alone because for many years, at the middle of my life really, and well still now, church, the building has never worked for me, but God always has. And so I go to church and, and I enjoy it. I love the sermons. I'm, I'm fed. But if it wasn't there, then it wasn't there. It's just has never been a source for me, if that makes sense. The, the other part for me, so God's word and him speaking to me, and that came through me just having to learn that that was everything, you know, like what you just said. And then I would start hearing him, but also from that try, fail, and adjust, like those times in my life where either I didn't hear him or I didn't realize I was because I was on my own path, <laughs> you know, I would go ahead and, and keep moving forward, like you said, stay on my path and try, okay, that didn't work. Well, maybe I need to pay more attention to what God's telling me or get back in the Word. You know, so many times in my life I got away from that at some level, you know. And, you know, I would catch myself and realize, what are you doing? You know, you know this is your source. This is everything. So then I would just back and come back into alignment with God and it's just amazing, you know, then how things do fall into us. Not always right away, I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. years later, but I can always look back and see that he was a part of it. Yeah, that, that, that right there, being able to look back and see where he, when you didn't think he was there and you were going through a whole bunch of stuff and you look back and you say, oh my gosh, you were right there all the time. It's like, I, now I see. Before I didn't see. I didn't, I, all I saw was I didn't want to go through this. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to be in this place that I am. That's all I saw. So I was not able to see that he was right there until actually I came through it. And it's like, had I not gone through what it was that I went through, even though he didn't cause those things, because God, nothing, nothing evil or bad that happens in our life comes from God. 
That's the enemy. He will make us believe that God is doing all these bad things. You hear people say all the time that, oh, God needed another angel in heaven, so he took my loved one home. God knows best. It's not God that's taking them. It's the enemy that still still kills and destroys. He snuffs out life. And because we don't recognize it, we blame God. And so if you don't believe, if you believe that God is doing all these evil things, you'll never be able to receive from him because you don't trust him. And so we have to learn how to trust him. We have to know that it is not him that is causing the evil in the world. It's the enemy that, that people allow to work through them because spirits need a body. Spirits need a body to operate and function in the world. In the world. Spirits need a body. And so they're looking for whoever's going to allow them to use them to wreak havoc in our lives. God is not ignorant of what's going on, but just like I said, spirits need a body. God also needs a body. God cannot come into the earth illegally to do anything. God gave us dominion over the earth. He gave us dominion. That means we are the rulers of the earth. And in order for God to come in, we have to invite him in. He's not going to come and do anything in our lives unless he's invited. He gave us the power to speak and things be. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But we just have to recognize that God is always there. We're never alone. He's always with us. And whatever it is that we're going through, he is right there. But he is waiting on us to open our mouth and use the authority that he has given us. The, 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 what is it, Psalm 23, we call it the Lord's Prayer, and it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Yeah. Because we have to invite his kingdom to come. We have to invite his will to be done. We have to invite. And so we're keeping our mouths shut, and we're focusing on what the problem is. And we're always talking the problem, 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 and not speaking the solution. We have the power to bind and loose. We have dominion over everything in the earth. And that's what Jesus won back for us. Adam lost it, but God got it back for us. He, he put us back in the place that we were. But we have to learn how to use it. We have to walk in that authority. Did we get, did we finish that? How, <laughs> how did you determine who you are? Where did your identity come from? The next one is, who, who have you allowed to speak into your life? And how, and how has what they said shaped your view of yourself? They've been the most part of my life, huh? Friends. Um, some enemies. And I use them like a mirror. If they say I'm something, I may look like I don't believe them, but I do because I play it over and over in my head. You know, and so, I mean, people... I believe that it's uh, the tongue is poison. I, I believe that because you can say whatever, even plan, and then people are still kicking. I mean, I do. I said, but I remember why they said that, even though they were joking. But why did they even go there with that? So, yeah, I just use people instead of God. As my mirror, I look at them and they tell me, and um, 
have to think about it. I believe in That's who I am. I feel about the same way because um, I take what's said, and sometimes I may even turn around what people are telling me and make it negative. Mm-hmm. I take it negative, um, even if it's a compliment. I still think, okay, they didn't mean that because I know I'm not like that. So. Yeah, I'll be shocked. I had this lady tell me one time she said. You have a beautiful smile, Miss Austin. She said, "Do you?" No, I don't. It's all right. For me, I have to. Yeah, I know that God first speaks in my life in His Word, but I have to keep that positive coming into my mind every single day. So it's a lot of breathing, it's a lot of audios, and then self-talk. I have to watch what am I saying to myself. And I recently did a study on um, Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hills. I don't know if y'all have heard of him, but um, it's an incredible book. And I did a study with my mentor, but it just reminded me it was about self-talk and mindset. And I thought, ah, you know, I've been in the valley and I'm, I'm okay. Oh my goodness, ladies, when I started that, I didn't realize what I was saying to myself. You know, there was still plenty of negative that I was saying just in my own mind, you know, but that increased my awareness and just silly stuff that's so self-defeating and all, you know, I think most of us do that, most of us ladies. But anything we can do, like your sessions, to be more aware and keep that in our mind just builds us up. <laughs> it's important to not allow everybody to speak to your life. Because, like I was saying last time, that everything that we've ever experienced gets in our unconscious and subconscious mind. So it's like a, a movie reel. And so everything is being recorded. Everything. And so... Because everything is being recorded, when people are complimenting you, what you've been through is coming up and it's speaking to that. So somebody says somebody has sown something into you that made you feel the way that you feel about yourself. And those are the lies that you have to conquer. Those are the lies that you have to get rid of. You have to allow your your mind, you have to trick your mind or trick your, your subconscious mind into believing that you're not what people have said you are by replacing it with the word of God that is true. The word of God is alive, it's living. And it says it's sharper than each two-edged sword, dividing, even, a, dividing, what is it? I can't, even, I can't even quote it right off, right off the top of my tongue. But, it finds you right where you are. And because it finds you right where you are, it's able to cut through all those lies. It's able to tear down strongholds. It is able to reveal truth to you of who you really are. And you start believing that. So you have to choose what you're going to believe. You have to choose. You don't have to believe everything that somebody says to you. 
You don't have to receive all the lies that are being fed to you. My husband has this thing, I, I love it. He has this thing that he says, whenever something is said that he's not going to receive, he says, crop failure. <laughs> that won't grow. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, I like that. Crop failure. So whenever somebody says something or calls him something out of his name or whatever the case may be, he says, crop failure. That's not going to take root and grow. So we need to learn how to say crop failure. That's not going to take root and grow. So learning how to kill those things at the root. We need to pluck them up at the root so that they die. All the lies that we're believing about ourselves. All the negativity. Because there is nothing, if you are in Christ, there is nothing negative about your identity. Absolutely nothing. Nothing negative about your identity. So, we need to, like I said, work on that mindset. Whenever something negative pops in your mind and says that you're something other than what the Word of God says, you need to say, no, that's a lie. I am who God says I am. And then you have those promises or those scriptures that you know that tells you, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. No, I am an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I was created in God's image. That's not who I am. You need to start telling yourself that until you believe it. And until you get your, your unconscious and your subconscious mind to believe it. Because that's who you are. It's not all the negative things that the world has said that you are. It's not all the negative things that you're believing of who you are. So stop receiving all the negative things that people are saying to you. When people compliment you and say something nice about you, say thank you. Just say thank you. Don't allow your mind to go anywhere else. Just say thank you and receive that. Thank you. I received that. You'll see that your life is going to start changing. And the way that you feel about yourself and the way that you see yourself is going to start changing. When people say something negative... Go ahead on and steal my husband saying, crop failure, that's not going to work. I'm, yeah, that's not going to take root. That's not going to grow. So we need to be binding things and loosing things because that's the authority that we have. And the next question was, what value do you place on yourself? I guess truly, I, deep, deep down, I feel I'm a good person. And I like to treat people the way that I want to be treated. And I always try to remember to make them feel... Um, Comfortable, worthy, and appreciated. Because that's the way I value my honesty. And honesty to me is um, some way, whether which way I want it to go, whether it goes that way or not, but it's honest. And I can accept it better that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think it hurts that much. It is honesty. So uh, I'll tell you, honest. I, I still always feel that if I'm honest enough, they'll see me. This is who I am. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I used a number scale of 1 to 10, and I put a 10 because God puts a 10 on me. 
that means God puts a 10 on all of us, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone is a 10. No one person is more valuable than another. Yeah. So. And then um, how do you determine your worth? And you just said that because God puts a 10 to you. How do you determine your worth? I guess uh, I don't. Let that other people determine it by the way I am. Like I described, and I, I let them be my mirror for every good thing. I let them let me know who I, that I'm worth. Um, that, that I'm worth. As for me, I I guess I'm okay. <laughs> I mean, if you need me, I'm there. But I don't know. I've never thought about it. What I was worth. I try to determine my worth, worth, worth by my actions. So let me share with you what your worth is and how to determine your worth. The Word of God says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning that our worth is priceless. It was worth the body of it was worth him sacrificing his life and dying for us. And that's how you determine your work. So, from this point on, don't determine your word by anything other than while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. It did not matter that we were filthy in our own minds, worthless. Nothing that Christ thought we were worth his life. That he would come down, that he would take on flesh and give up his glory to die for us. So you are so valuable. You are worth so much. And you need to start seeing yourself that way. It doesn't matter what you do. So stop looking at what you do. What you've done wrong, how you've fallen short, none of that matters with him. If we are in Christ, none of that matters. He paid the whole debt, all of it, past, present, future, meaning there's absolutely nothing that you can do, absolutely nothing that you can do that will change your value. Nothing. He says that there is nothing that, that can pluck us out of his hand. Absolutely nothing. God loves us unconditionally. He says that there is no condemnation. So if he's not condemning us, we need to stop condemning ourselves. You make a mistake, you fall short. We do stuff purposely. I've done a lot of stuff purposely. I've allowed my flesh to rule at times. It's because I wanted to do something. I go back and I repent because I knew I was wrong. <laughs> you know. But I thank God that he forgives me. And and I don't want us to get to a place where we use God, where we take God's grace for granted. But just to know that he says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. We don't have to keep asking for forgiveness. He's already forgiven us. We just have to confess it and repent and move on. Keep moving. Because we don't, if we get stuck in the place where we've messed up, then we're not, we're not fulfilling purpose. The enemy has us stuck right there. Like, oh yeah, she messed up. I'm going to mess with her mind now because she ain't strong enough to move past this. 
gonna keep her right here. If she stays right here, then she's not gonna be fulfilling her purpose. If I stay right here and, and wallow in my mess and wallow in my self pity and wallow in everything that I've been through and everything that I'm going through right now, if I keep my eyes on this problem right here, you're not going moving forward and, and completing whatever it is that you need to do. That's how the enemy, that's how he gets us. Understand that God knows our end from our beginning. Everything that we'll ever do in life has already been done. We've already done it. Because before the foundation of the world was, God had already created us. Before the foundation of the world was, we were already here. And then God created. God came up with the plan to create us in his image. And he saw everything already mapped out. He saw every time that the enemy was going to try to, to stomp us. He saw everything that the enemy was going to do in our lives. He saw He saw it all. And so he knows everything that we, he knew every mistake that we would ever make. Everything that we ever do in life is, is not a surprise to him. We have to stop acting like it's a surprise to God. It's not a surprise to him. That's why he doesn't condemn us, because he knows everything. He knows every mistake we're going to ever make. He already knows it. And the reason why we go through so much with the enemy, the enemy has a right to, he has a right to test us. He has a right to tempt us. God doesn't tempt us. But the enemy has a right to test us. He has a right to try us. And God has given us a way out of every temptation. Every mm-hmm. temptation. Is, it comes with us opening our mouths and using our authority. That's where it starts. It's, that's where it starts. Yeah, we're going to And he came down to go through everything that we would have to go through so that he can feel what it was that we, were, we would feel. So he's been tempted and tested in every single thing because he was even, he was even attempted by the, by the enemy. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. And then he was, God led him up into the, that on the mountain to be tempted by the devil. He had to go through everything that we had to go through. As a man in this flesh, he had to feel every single thing that we had to feel. Yet he did it without sin. And so he knows every single thing that would ever come our way. And because he conquered it, we can conquer. He hurt, he cried, he cried when Lazarus died. He shed tears because he felt. And so he knows every single thing. We're just walking it out. He knows exactly where we're going to end up. And we already have the victory. We already have it. And so we need to know who we are because we have an assignment. We have things that we need to do in the earth. And there are people waiting on what God has put in you. And if you're so focused on you and, the, and, and these negative lies that have been sown into you, if you're focusing on that, then you'll never be able to figure out what it is that God has created you for and who it is you're supposed to reach in the world. Because we're here to make an impact in the world for the kingdom of God. And so we have to know who we are. And you have to be secure in who you are. And I talk about self-confidence. But it's not self-confidence and having confidence in myself and my ability apart from him. When I think, when I say self-confidence, I'm talking about the God confidence that I have so that I can have confidence in myself. 
So it starts with my God confidence. It's the confidence that I have in God that He has given, He has put in me certain gifts and certain talents and certain things for me to be able to do what it is that He called me to do. And so I can confidently go and do what it is that He says because I have confidence in Him working through me to be able to produce what it is that He wants me to produce. So when you hear me talk about self-confidence, it's not being self-made and talking about my own abilities apart from him. It's my abilities in, my, in him that I'm talking about. So we're going to learn now who we are in Christ. Genesis 1 and 26, that we need to see ourselves the way God sees us, through the mirror of the word. Then God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. He made us in, out in his image, in their image, in the image of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, when we study about who they are independently, then we learn who we are. Because we were created in their image. God is a creative being. He creates. And so we are creative beings. And I used to, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to find that creative gene. You know, I'm trying to find my creative gene. I know it's in there somewhere. I know it's in there somewhere. I tried crafting. I, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, I'm trying to find that creative gene. It's like, okay, I haven't found that creative gene yet. But, I mean, I've been able to do some things, you know, and create some pretty, some cute things. But it's like, I was trying to find, it's like, okay, but it's in there. I just got to keep, you know, keep trying to do things till I find what it is that I'm really, really good at. And so, we create. And Jesus was the Word made flesh. And so, the words that we speak have power. He used the Word to create. We can use our words to create. We can use our words to create the atmosphere that we want. We can use our words to create the life that we want. We can use our words. Our words have power. The Bible tells us that life and death is in the power of the tongue. So we need to watch what we're speaking. He told me a long time ago that I needed to watch what I speak because my words have power to produce. And the enemy tries to keep me quiet and make me think that I don't have anything to say. And the people are not going to listen to me because he knows that I have power. That through the words that I speak, that things happen, that I can produce. And he knows that I have the power to tear his kingdom down. And so he wants to shut me up. Especially when it was coming to me actually realizing, you know, the, the gift of the evangelist that he that he called me into. It's like God says, watch what you speak, because what you speak has power. And you can speak life to yourself, and you can speak death to yourself. And the enemy wants to shut you up. And once you believe that you have nothing to say, or once you believe that you can't remember what scripture says, or, you know, all these things, because he knows that you can tear his kingdom down. He wants to shut you up. Stop allowing what people say to shut you up. You have something to say. You have something to say that people need to hear. And because the word is in us, because God is in us through his spirit, then we have power in us. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that resurrection power, is on the inside of us. That's why we can speak life or death. 
and we don't have to allow the, the circumstances and the situations that happen in our lives to stay the way that they are. Because we have the power. He's given us dominion. He's given us authority in the earth realm. We can change our situation. We can change it. And you need to know that because it's part of who you are. It's part of your identity to change your circumstances and your situations and not get stuck in them, but to see beyond them. Because every single gift is inside of you. Yeah, there are ones that we walk in that may be more dominant, but we as believers can walk in every single gift that's in that Bible. Every single one of them. Because the, the, the Holy Spirit lives in us and He is the gift giver. When we look at the fruit of the Spirit, we can walk in the fruit of the, That's our character. That's God's character. The fruit of the Spirit is God's character. That's our character. And we can walk in all of the fruit of the Spirit. But we have to develop fruit. It's just like you play in your garden. It has to be nurtured. It has to be watered. It has to be, you know, all, all the, it needs the sunlight. It needs a whole bunch of things in order for the fruit to grow and grow healthy. And so we have to do that with the fruit of the Spirit. We have to develop it. We have to develop it. And we have to stir up those gifts in us. But we're so busy looking at the circumstances and situations in our life that we don't like and complaining about what's going on in our lives that we don't like that we're not focused on what it is that we're supposed to be focused on. We're not focused on, you know, how can I change this? What do I need to do to walk out of this? And speaking the promises of God over our situation and our circumstance, binding and loosening. He says the work that he did, the work that he did in greater works, we should do. And so we're able to do that. But it, it, it takes training, it takes practice. With anything that we anything that we're ever going to do, we have to practice in order to get good at it. And if you don't start doing something, you'll never get good at it. You won't be great without starting. You have to start in order to be great. Because you won't be great unless you start doing something. So we have to have the right image of God, the right picture of who he is in our minds, in order to know exactly who we are. We have to know who he is in order to get the right image for who we are. And so James chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. We are good and perfect gifts. We came from God. He created us. And he said everything that he created was good. He looked at everything he created. He said it is good. Everything. That included us. It is good. Know that you are good. You're good. There's nothing wrong with you. Absolutely nothing. We've been taught wrong. We learned wrong. We've allowed wrong things to be sown into us. And so we have to relearn. 
They have to learn what truth is. What God's truth is. And so we have to unlearn a lot of bad things that we learn. Is it going to take time? Yeah, it, it, it does. It takes time. But we have to start. Is God the redeemer of time? Yeah, he is. He can accelerate things. So that you're not taking as long as what you thought. Because he may be trying to catch you up. So that you can start doing those things that you needed to do. And reaching those people that you needed to reach. All for the kingdom of God. All for God's glory. Everything that we do in this world, in this life. Our purpose and our assignment. Is to glorify God. And to magnify Christ. That's our purpose. So whatever we do, whatever assignment, whatever job, whatever career, everything that we do, whatever our role is in life, is to glorify God and to magnify Christ. I told you, you are not a mistake. You're here for a purpose. And you are good. You are a good and perfect gift. And understand that we can know him, we can have a personal and intimate relationship with him, and that the gospel is not hidden from us, that he reveals all things to us. He calls us his friend. He reveals all things to us that we need to know. Everything we need to know, he reveals it to us. We just have to be able to be willing to, to listen, be willing to sit and to listen, be willing to open up the word and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal. He reveals everything to us that we need to know. He wants us to know. He's not trying to hide anything from us. He wants us to know. He wants us to know who we are. He wants us to know who he is. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Lord, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So he is transforming us. As we're reading his word, he says we need to renew our, our minds through the word of God. Our minds need to be transformed. And as our minds are transformed, then our actions will be transformed. He works from the inside out. And so the word of God is a mirror to us. And so as our minds, as we allow our minds to be transformed by the word of God, then our behaviors and our actions will follow. As we're being transformed, it says he's, he's, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So we're being transformed into the image that we were created into. We have to grow into it. When Jesus came into, he came into the world in the flesh, he had to grow into his, his purpose. He had to grow into his identity. He had to grow into who he was, who he was called to be. He knew who he was, but even though he was he was fully God. He was fully man. The glory that he had, the power that he had, he didn't He didn't operate under any of that. He operated in his humanness, in his flesh, every single day. And proof positive of that is that he had to be anointed by the Holy Spirit in order to be able to do the miracles that he was doing, in order to be able to do the work that he was sent here to do. He had to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. Just like we do. And if he had to be anointed by the Holy Spirit in order to do the work, we have to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. We need the anointing. 
That's how we know that he was he was fully man when he was walking on the earth. He could not do anything until the Spirit of God came down over him like a dove. And God said, This is my beloved son, and whom I whom I'm well pleased. He had to be anointed. We have to be anointed to do what we do. We have to stop trying to do everything in our own strength and allow his strength to be our strength in order to do what it is that we're called to do. And allow the anointing to work in our lives. So again, we're being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Are y'all beginning to see yourselves a little differently? Yes, that's you have to say um person, the food of the spirit. Yeah, I thought of it. That's kind of God's character. So. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the fruit of the spirit. When we have an object, yeah. I was like, I was praying for patience, praying for patience. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. Be careful. I used to say, be careful what you pray for. Because you get in the grocery store yeah. and you can find the shortest line, but it turns, it turns out to be the longest line. Yeah. You're standing there. Everybody else knows the long line is gone. You were the second person in this line. You're still standing there. But yeah, so, but I was like, I, then I discovered it's like, you know what? Patience is already in me. I just need to develop it and, and, and start walking in it. And stop looking at everything. It's like it's holding me up. It's holding me up. Yeah. I'm, I'm so in a hurry. It's like, okay, I'm standing in this line. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm standing in this line. <laughs> you know, and so it takes some work to shift your mindset from the actual situation that you find yourself in to literally seeking God for everything. Yeah, does it happen to me all, all the time? Yeah, no, more, more, not, not as often as as I would like, but um, because I, I'm always in a hurry. But I'm learning how to slow myself down and and literally walk in the fruit of the spirit. In my life, so I know that I will get there because I'm being transformed. So Philippians chapter one verse six, being confident in this very thing that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is doing a good work in you. Like I say, He works from the inside of, from the inside out. He is transforming us. He is He is transforming our minds. He's transforming our outlook on life. He is transforming us into his image, into the image that we were created into. And so it's a process. We have to grow. We grow from infants to adults and then to older adults. And so there's a process in life. And so just like there's a process in our physical growth, there's a a process in our spiritual growth. When we get saved, we're babes in Christ. So we have to learn. We have to we have to develop. We have to grow. And we have to get off the milk and get on the get on the meat. And so it's always a process that we're being transformed. And so we have to be be confident in that he is the work that he begun in us, the good work that he begun in us, that he is completing that. He is gonna complete that until the day that Jesus Christ comes back. So we are always a work in progress. So we have to give ourselves some grace because we're not going to always get it right. We're not going to we're not going to dot every i. We're not going to cross every t. And we need to be okay with that. And like I said before, no condemnation. I missed it. Oh well, let me keep on moving. Oh, you know what did I what did I do wrong in this? Let me see what I can do to correct 
this, or if I can't correct, it's like, okay, let me try something else. What's the next thing? So you keep moving. You keep moving. And you don't beat yourself up. I was in that place for a long time. That depression was kicking my behind. And I had to learn that I could not stay in that place that I was in. It didn't feel good. And that was that was the place where I realized that I did not know who I was. When I contemplated suicide, I knew that I had hit rock bottom. And I couldn't stay in that place that I was in. So that was a journey of discovering who I truly am. Who God created me to be. And like I said, I could look back and I could see all the times where I thought that I was by myself. I mean, because God literally moved me to, I moved from, from being where my family was. And I, mind you, I wasn't far from them. But my finances and everything was in such a state where I didn't have the money to travel back and forth because I didn't have the gas to be able to go. And so I was in a place where I felt like I was by myself. I felt like I was in a wilderness by myself. Even though I lived in Williamsburg, my family lived in Newport News and Hampton, which was right down the road. I felt like I was in a wilderness and I was all alone. And I realized, looking back, that God was right there with me all the time. And I just needed to... Even though I, I'm on my face and I'm crying and I'm, you know, I'm calling myself praying, but I'm com- literally complaining about all the wrong things in my life and, you know, begging God to forgive me for all the times that I'm falling short and I'm giving into my flesh and all these kind of things, not realizing that I'm already forgiven because I didn't know who I was. And I didn't have to keep giving into my flesh and I didn't have to keep giving into all the things that I was doing. I could say no. And so the enemy used all of that to beat me up. And I allowed him to do it. I allowed him to do it. And I stayed closed up in my apartment. My with my blinds, even though my pastor said, don't stay in the dark. I kept my blinds shut and everything. And I would sit in my room. And that's where I would sit from, from the time I get up in the morning to the time I went to bed at night. And then every time I messed up, I didn't go to church because I'm like, I can't go to church because I messed up. I don't need to go to church because I messed up messed up. I didn't understand that I was the church. And so I would stay away from the church building from fellowshipping with the other believers because I messed up. And I felt so guilty. And I felt guilty about being at the altar every Sunday, being at the altar every Sunday because I didn't know how to live my life. Because that's not what they're teaching you in church. They're preaching a good sermon and they have their, their program and they have, you know, this is what they're going to preach and the word, no, no, don't get me wrong, he's, he gave us preachers. And so the word will find you. And when I needed, when I was, when I focused on it and I was focused on going and, and receiving something, I received what I needed. But it was a journey and it was a struggle. But I saw how God was there all the time. So Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. And this is what he said to Jeremiah. But it holds true for us. Before he formed us in the womb, he knew us. Every single one of us. He knows us down to the number of hairs on our head. Before we were born, he sanctified us. He sanctified us. He set us apart for a specific purpose. That is specific 
to you individually. It has nothing to do with anybody else. That's why we shouldn't go around comparing ourselves to other people. Because their path is their path. Our path is our path. We all are unique and different. Nobody has our footprint or our thumbprint. Our fingerprints and our footprint is totally different from everybody else's. So you cannot compare. Stop comparing yourself to other people. You don't know what goes on behind the scenes with other individuals. You don't know what their life really looks like. All you know is what they show you. What they allow you to see. And women are good at covering up. But before he formed you in the womb, he knew you. You are not a surprise. You are not a mistake. You were picked out specifically to be here. And he set you apart to do something great in the earth. There is greatness inside of you. And this is one of my all-time favorite scriptures here. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 17. For you were formed, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in, in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. That means he saw your mama and daddy doing the do. He saw he saw them making you. So like I said, there's nothing that's a secret. He sees everything. He sees everything that we do. He watched them. And I keep hearing I keep hearing these um I listen to a lot of, of podcasts and YouTube videos and things and so I keep hearing when I'm listening to the motivational um pastors and things that are preaching, they talk about how many sperm are trying to get to one egg. Like millions and millions of sperm that are trying to get to one egg. And so all of them are racing, 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 trying to get to this one egg. Those sperm are us. They're, they're us. We were, we were a sperm. Okay. Trying to get to the egg. And God said, Oh, nope, this, that, no matter how many, how many of them are trying to get in, they're beating, they're banging, they're punching, trying to get in and they can't get in because that's not their egg. The egg that you got into, that was your egg. God said, nope, that's the one I want. That's that's Joe's, that's Joe's egg. Y'all can beat all you want. That's Joe's egg. Joe's, Joe's coming in the world. This is her time. And he said the same thing about you. No, this is Tish's time. This you can beat all you want on the egg. You're not getting in there. That's Tish's egg. You can come from the back, the very back, and all of them might beat you. You just a slowest little thing trying to get there. And you get there, and you got this whole mountain of, of sperm there in front of you, and you jump over. And you go right, and they're looking like, oh, hold on, wait a minute, how did she do that? How did she, how did she get in there? Because it was your egg, it was your time. It was your time to be born. And so we're all, we all had our time. There's a season for everything. And we've all had our season of when we were supposed to come into the world. And so you're not here, know that you're not here by mistake. You were picked out. Your time was planned. And so you're here because you were planned. You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be here. So my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth. 
your eyes saw my substance being yet formed. And in your book, they are all, they were, they are, they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious are your, your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. How precious are your thoughts to me. God has nothing but good thoughts towards us. How great is the sum of them. Great thoughts towards us. He has nothing but good thoughts towards us. Remember how I said that he was, that, that everything that we were created before the foundation of the world was? I mean, God had already saw us in his mind. He had already created us. Jesus Christ actually died before the foundation of the world. He, he had already he had already died before the foundation of the world. So God didn't sit there at the beginning and say, okay, so Adam's saying, hmm, what am I going to do about this? Okay, I need to come up with a plan now because he messed up and now sin is in the world and now they know everything. So, hmm, what, what am I going to do? He didn't, he didn't sit there and do that. Jesus Christ had already been, he had already died. He had already given his life before the foundation of the world was, before God created anything manifest in the world. Everything had already been done. And he said, okay, now let's, let's manifest all this. Let's go out here and let's create, let's create. And so he knew all that was going to happen. Jesus had already paid for what Adam was going to do before God put everything in the world. And it tells us that in Revelation. Revelation is a book that people don't want to read because they think it's scary, it's creepy. But it's a good book. It's a really, really good book. I, I read it. Because I buckled down and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. It says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So, again, before the foundation of the world was, he predestined us to be adopted into his family. It was according to his good pleasure and his will. According to the good pleasure of his will. He chose. He chose us. He chose us. We're not here by mistake. He chose us. We're here because he wanted us to be. And there are a lot of people that are never going to figure out that they're here for a specific purpose. There are a lot of people in the world that are going to be lost because they don't realize that they've been chosen and that they're here for a specific purpose and that the only way that they're going to ever fulfill that purpose in life is through relationship with Jesus Christ. They got to know who they are, and they're never going to figure that out. Unfortunately, and it's sad to say, but there are a lot of people that are never going to figure that out. Isaiah forty nine and fifteen, forty nine verse fifteen to sixteen. It says, "Can a woman forget her nursing child, and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. Yet I will not forget you." See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. I love this one too. We see that people, women are, are forgetting their, their nursing children. We see how women will, uh, 
he killed their babies. You know? Yeah, I mean we see we see that. But God says he will never forget you. He has inscribed you on his hand, on the palm of his hand. God God got tattoos, y'all. Tattoos with our name on it. We are inscribed in the palm of his hand. He will never ever forget us. That's how much we mean to him. That he has tattooed us on him. And so I love that. I love that scripture that he has tattooed us on the palm of his hands. He never forgets us. He said he never leaves us and he never forgets us. He never forsakes us. First Peter chapter two verses nine through ten. When you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This was for the Gentiles, of which we are, because we know the promised people were the Jews in Israel. And so we were not a part of that originally. But because we we considered the Gentiles, which we were, now we have a right to the promise. We've been engrafted in. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Your royalty, your royalty. Who is God a king? And you heard the you heard the verses where he says, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is king over kings in the earth. We read Genesis chapter 1, verse 30, verse 26, where it says he has given us dominion. Kings have dominion. We have a kingdom that we're over. It's this, it's this earth realm. He's given us dominion. We're the we're the we're the lowercase kings. So he's king of kings. Which, which means he's king over us, little kings. He's lord over us, little lords. And it says we have obtained mercy. And so you hear a lot of believers who don't understand, always asking, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. We already had mercy. We already had it. We just have to receive mercy. We have to walk in the mercy. We already have it. The same thing I said about forgiveness. Lord, forgive me. We already have forgiveness. So we just have to confess our sins, repent, and keep moving, change our mind. We know that it was wrong. We change our mind. We stop doing that. And we fell again in that same area. <laughs> yeah. Over and over and over again. I repent again, Lord. I meant it the first time I said it, but I did it again. I repent again. And I'm going to keep on repenting until I get it right. Until I overcome this and break this stronghold off. People get caught up in familiar spirits and soul ties, and that they can't, you know, break those things off. And it's, and it's, it's having to speak and speak death to that soul tie, and that, and allow the anointing to destroy those yokes. That's who we are. That's our identity. Revelation one, verses five and six. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. And as I was talking about, that's kings, that's lowercase kings, over the earth, of the earth, 
to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and, the, and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He has made us kings and priests. And so any king has to have a kingdom. And so kingdom is the king's dominion. I was like, King's Dominion? Hey, they got a, a theme park called King's Dominion. <laughs> but it's the King's Dominion. And so um, I, I just kind of looked up the definition for King, Lord, and Priest. And so this is who he says we are. Excuse me. So the, the dictionary, the um, not the Bible dictionary, but the dictionary says that King is a male ruler. And I say male, male, mankind. Is what I'm going to say. The male ruler of, of an independent state, especially one who inherits the position by right of birth. And we have inherited the position by right of birth. We are king by right of birth. We just need to start living it, walking in it, walking in who we are. And Lord is someone or something having power, authority, or influence, a master or a ruler. That's what we are. We are lords. We, we have. We have power and authority and influence because God gave it to us. He gave us the power and authority to do the works that he did in greater. And then priest, one who acts as a mediator. That's why I tell you words. We are mediators. Represents God to the people and in return from them to God. So we mediate for the people. And we also share in return what God is saying. He acts as an ambassador. And he calls us ambassadors. He said we're ambassadors in the earth. A chosen vehicle through whom God has chosen to serve the people and represent him on his behalf. So that's who we are. We're kings, lords, and priests in the earth. That's our identity. And we have to start walking in the authority that God has given us. I wrote down another one that's not on there, but Romans 8, Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 17, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But that's what we walk in. But you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we, we cry out, Abba, Father. He is our Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything that belongs to him belongs to us. Everything. We have the whole estate. When you see the prodigal son, when you read that, um, that parable, the prodigal son left home and he took his inheritance. He's Squandered it, and then he went back home. As he found himself in a place that he didn't want to be, he said, "I'm going to go back, and I'm I'm not worthy to be be my father's son anymore. But I'm going to go back and ask him to take me in as one of his servants." But the representation of the father in that was that he ran, he saw his son, and he ran, and he and he he hugged him, and he kissed him, and he welcomed him back into the family, into his his rightful position as his son. And that's 
what God has for us. That's the kind of love that he has for us. He welcomes us back into the fold. He wants us to know that we are children. We are his children. We're not his servants. We are his children. And so we don't have to go asking and begging for everything. We ask. We have to ask for certain things, but we don't have to beg. We don't have to beg for something that's already ours. We have the whole estate. We have everything. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Meaning everything that belongs to him belongs to us. We just don't act like it. So therefore we beg and we cry and we plead. And he, God doesn't respond to that. God responds to his promises. That's why it's important for us to know what his promises are. And so Lord, this is, this is what you said. You said that I'm an heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ. So I know that everything that you have belongs to me. I'm a part of the family. I'm a part of the household. I'm a part of the kingdom. And so this this is what you you know my needs. You said that I have not because I ask not. So I'm, I'm asking. I'm coming boldly before your throne of grace, like you said. And I'm asking you to 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 give me this or to to give me that. It's just like our children. They don't they don't um, beg and plead for us to give them a meal. They love it. Can you can you slide that milk over here? Can you give me that back that box of cereal right there? I, I want the bacon. No, give me slide that bacon over here. And that's what that's what we do as children. That's what we do in our in our home. And so we can go to God in that childlike faith, expecting to receive whatever it is, because we are children. We are heirs. We are joint heirs. We are ambassadors in the earth realm. We are who God says we are. That's our identity. That's our identity. And so we can't look in the mirror of the world and accept and receive everything that the world says that we are because that's not who we are. We have to look through the mirror of the word and receive and accept everything that God says that we are. And when we start receiving that, when we start believing that, then we start to walk in that. And it's a process. You are being transformed. Every single day, every single day, you're being transformed more and more into his life. Evangelist Amanda Brothers here of Empowered for Change LLC and AmandaBrothers.com. I believe that identity and mindset are everything. So, as an identity empowerment coach, I help kingdom women to unpack their emotional baggage and improve their self-concept so that they can show up more powerfully for themselves, their families, and their community without the guilt, the hurt, the shame, or the regret from their past. So if you are challenged with how you see, feel, and think about yourself, schedule a first step to victory call with me at bit.ly forward slash schedule call now or at amandabrothers.com.